Reading today is from Mark 12:38 through 44. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes, who like to walk around in long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and to have the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at the banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance say long prayers. They will receive the greater commendation. (coughs) He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money in the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums of money. A poor widow came and put in just two small copper pieces, which are worth only a penny. Then he called his disciples and he said to them, Truly I tell you, This poor widow has put in more than all of those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them who have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This has been the reading of the Lord. This story of the widow giving her last two mites to the church is kind of strategically planted in the lectionary right in the middle of everyone's stewardship campaign. This is by, by design. For those of you who don't know what the lectionary is, the, the, there's a group of ecumenical uh, theologians who get together and they divide the scriptures up into a three-year cycle of uh, gospel readings and psalm readings and epistle readings and Old Testament readings, and they put them in a three-year cycle so that you get, and they, it's a suggested preaching text, and they put it into the seasons and things like that. And I use that, and the reason I use the lectionary is because otherwise you would hear my pet texts all the time, and uh, <laughs> there's a lot of places I would ignore. So, uh, you know, this is nice because I'm given a text and I have to deal with it and kind of wrestle with it a little bit and figure it out. Anyway, the lectionary has conveniently put this story in November, right, because everyone is doing their stewardship campaign right around that time, <laughs> so, so they kind of did that on purpose. Uh, and yet I struggle a little, you know, because we have this great story about the, the widow giving her her last uh, bit of money and, uh, you know, and we're, this is, and she's called, you know, wonderful because of this. You know, truly this poor widow has put more in than anyone else. And, um, and so we've, co- we've come to understand this woman as is, is having this great faith because she gave her very last amount of money and uh, contributed that to the church and then relies on God for uh, her, her care. Uh, and what a great picture of faith that is for us to look at. But I have to say, over the years as I've looked at this text and wrestled with it a little bit, I've, I've become uncomfortable with kind of that interpretation of what's going on. Uh, because I don't want to... The last thing I want to suggest, although may I, I mean I don't know, it feels it feels a little strange to me to I wouldn't stand up here and ask you to take all of your money out of your bank account and your retirement fund and the equity out of your home and put it in the plate and then go home and rely on God 
to take care of you and don't bother me with it. <laughs> right? There's this, there's a, so there's something is disconnected here uh, as we try to, to look at this text that paints that picture and yet it doesn't match the reality of what our faith being lived out looks like. And so I get a little uncomfortable with that. And, and I get uncomfortable because of, of kind of who this woman is. I want to paint this picture for you. She's a Jewish woman who has lost her husband in, in some way in the first century here in Palestine. And in Palestine in the first century, if you were a woman, you didn't own anything. The clothes on your back, the home you lived in, the bowl you ate your food out of, you didn't own anything. You had no ownership. The paterfamilia was the structure of the time, and that meant that there was a, a man in charge of the whole household, and that's what you, how you were taken care of. And she, was, and she lost her husband. Her husband died. Um, and uh, she was left without resource. Oddly, it was only the Jewish code was one of the few that actually did not let women own anything. It was, it was part of the Jewish code. Uh, furthermore, women had no way to earn money. They weren't allowed to work. Uh, if there was no son in the family, uh, it was the obligation, normally, that the son would take care of the widow. But if she had no son, she would have to do something else. She, would go, she might go... Uh, marry someone else who could take care of her. She might go back to her family, which brought shame and financial burden onto her own parents or her own family. Um, she might live as a servant in her in-law's house. I want. Can you imagine that? <laughs> you know, going and being your mother-in-law's maid. <laughs> I'm sure your mother-in-law would love that. <laughs> Uh, and of course, the last option involves um, caring for the widow out of the estate of the husband, but not many people had much to give. And actually, this is kind of where the scribes often came in, and Jesus is addressing this in the first part of our text today, is the scribes often took possession of people's estates, and they were the legal authority, they were the lawyers who were kind of entrusted with the legalities of the estates. And they were basically hosing the widows out of their what they had coming. They were taking all the money and leaving the widows to their own devices. And in addition to all of that, there is the temple. There is the, the temple, which was the church at the time. Jesus, in this passage before this text and after this text, is directly critiquing the temple. And, uh, and right after this story is when Jesus goes into the temple and cleanses the temple by turning over the tables and yelling at the money changers. And uh, in Luke, he grabs a whip and starts whipping people around and causing all kinds of trouble right after this one. And uh, so, you know, Jesus is observing here in this story this whole thing about how the widow was paying her temple tax. Uh, and there was, the, they gathered this temple tax. The temple ran in much the same way the church does, 
by the giving of its members. However, unlike First Baptist Church, everyone in the Jewish tradition in Jesus' time was obligated to pay a certain amount of their temple tax. Now, if you had money, if, if you were rich, it, there was no big whoop. But if you didn't have any money, this temple tax became this huge burden on people like this widow who came to pay her temple tax with the last two coins she had. And it's in the context, it is in this context that we find this widow who gives everything she had to live on. And it's easy to see why Jesus might laud her for her faith and her ability to trust in all that God has for her. But again, I wonder if there was something else going on. Like what was her attitude? Uh, we often picture this woman as this kind of, you know, cute little old lady, maybe with a, with a cane and uh, coming up, uh, dropping her coins in, quietly saying to herself, the Lord will provide, and walking back home. And, uh, but I wonder if there was a different attitude going on here. Uh, I wonder if for this woman it was an act of desperation. Here I am, down to my last. I have nothing left but these two little coins and my faith. I'm hungry. I am tired. I am homeless. I am desperate. Take this money and do with it what you will. Save me or just let me die. I wonder if it was that desperate act of a woman who's come down to her last hope. A desperate act. Or maybe it was an act of defiance. As if to say to everybody, here I am! Here I am right in front of you and here's my last two coins. And, and here they are. I hope you choke on it. Now what are you going to do with me? I have nothing. Here I am. Maybe it was an act of defiance. Now here I am. You've, you've bled me dry. Thanks, church. <laughs> Maybe it's this act of defiance that says, you know, will you take care of me now? I've been faithful. Are you going to be faithful? Whatever her attitude, she came, here to, she came to the temple. She came to the church. And the church at that moment had an opportunity to respond and missed out. I don't think anyone noticed. Everyone was looking at the guys with the big robes. Oh, look how much he put in. Oh, look how. Oh, that's a new robe from last year. He didn't have that robe last year when he brought his temple tax. He looks so good this year. I think he's lost weight. You know, <laughs> everyone was talking about that. And they missed this little woman. It was Jesus who pointed her out, said to the disciples, Hey, look at that woman's put in more than all these peacocks over here how amazing that is look at this woman here she was with her faith and her money what did she run into scribes who steal from widows and act all pious just for show a temple system that instead of lifting the burdens of the people adds to them with this tax business it is, and it is this lack of response to the widow's faith that contributes to Jesus' anger and ire 
and prompts him to go in and turn over the tables and basically say, this is so corrupt it's not even worth saving. And this entire section of Mark is essentially a critique of the church of the time that were so full of greed and self-importance that they missed the ministry standing right in front of them, this widow. So for us as the church right now, I think this is a cautionary tale. Jesus, as he watches this episode unfold, calls his disciples over and he says, do you see this woman? Open your eyes and do you see this woman? She has given her very last dime. She has given everything out of her faith in who God is, out of her faith that God is going to provide. And he looks at the disciples as if to say, so what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond to God's faith and her faith God. Uh, Jesus watches all of this and wonders who is going to step in there and take care and respond to who this woman. Who, and it makes me wonder who have we missed in our midst? Who is Jesus pointing to for us as the church? Whose faith are we called to fulfill and respond to? Because I want to say, this is the place. I know Brigham Young thought that was the place. (laughs) Up on the hillside. But he said it right, that this is the place. But he meant here. He meant here at First Baptist. This is the place. This is the place where it's supposed to happen. This is the place where people are supposed to come with their faith and to come to say, I am giving it all. Now what do I do, God? And God uses you and me and us together to respond to that faith. We are the answer to prayers. You and me. Amen? We are the answer to prayers. That's kind of what that card I'm asking you to fill out kind of represents the answer to prayers found here in this place. This is the place where we find uh, the answer to our prayers, where we come with all that we have and we lay it on the altar and we say in faith, God, I'm asking you to take care of me and to be my sustenance, to be all that I need. And we together are the answer to that prayer, even as we are also called to leave it all there. Right? So, and, and this is my, my next point, is that we can also be the church that answers that prayer, but we're also called to leave it all here and to allow the church to answer that prayers that we have. This woman left all at the altar. We also are called to leave all. All of the hurt and all of the pain, leave it here. All of the guilt and all of the shame, 
leave it here. All of the frustration and the bitterness and the outright anger toward God about what's going on in your life, leave it here in faith. All of the burdens that are too heavy for us to carry, leave them here. All of the desires to do something that is worthwhile, lay it down at the altar. All of the hopes and the dreams that we have for the future, your own future, then the future of the world, this is where it is kept. This is where it is laid. This is where it is responded to. All of the love for humanity that we have is brought to the altar as an offering to God in faith that something will happen when we lay it down. All of the fear that keeps us from living fully into the life that God has given us. All of the the brokenness. All of the heartbreak. All of it. Every last might. We are called to leave it here in faith. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) To leave it in faith. And then to look for the response. To long for the response. To be a part of the response. And to look to each other. Knowing that as we are all faithful in laying it at the foot of the cross or on the altar of God, that God is faithful. God is faithful through the way in which God inspires and moves and empowers each and every one of us to be the body of Christ, the hands and feet in this hurt and broken world. We can be faithful and we can have that faith because God is faithful. Amen? God is faithful. God is here within this place. God is at work within this church. And God is ready to receive all that you have. And God is ready to respond. And the way God responds is by our faithfulness. It's this weird give and take thing. We lay it at the cross and God hands us something to do and to be a part of and to contribute to. God hands us a connection to people. God hands us an inspiration and a call. God hands us uh, enlightenment and knowledge and joy in being with God. God hands us that Holy Spirit feeling inside. God hands us that empowerment and that light and that life. He says, go and do something with it. Transform the world. It's a symbiotic thing. This is the place. Happens. Amen? Loving and gracious God. We observe this widow, and there's a lot going on in this story Jesus is observing. But what we notice most, what Jesus points to, is this act of faith, of leaving it all at the altar. And Jesus looking around and asking, who is going to pick up this burden that has been laid here? The answer is, we will empowerment and the help that comes from you.
May we eagerly lay our burdens down, lay our offerings down, lay all that we have down. Take up the things you have for us to do. We ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen.